Let's start off today with some congratulations. Yesterday at Ford Field, it was David versus Goliath, and David again was the winner. So we have Coach Brogan here in the corner. Uh, we have some other coaches and players here with us today. Can we get uh, this year's state champions to please stand? Let's congratulate Lumen Christie on their great victory. Very nice. Very good. The first half was a little shaky, but uh, Father Tom Helfrich, who is my date for the game, he and I agreed, Coach, that we were going to go in in the third half if you needed us. Okay. Maybe next year. <clears throat> this is the start of something new. Maybe you can tell, maybe you can't. It's the uh, start of a new season, Advent. That means it's the start of a new liturgical year. You have brand spanking new breaking bread hymnals. Uh, we've changed the colors. We've even changed the gospel. For the last year, we've been listening at Sunday Mass to the Gospel of Luke, and now today we start delving into the Gospel of Matthew, and we'll be listening to that all the way until next Advent. But we're not starting at the beginning, we're starting at the end. We'll hear the beginning of Matthew's Gospel on Christmas Eve, less than a month from now, but today, here the first Sunday of Advent, at the start of this new liturgical year, we find Jesus about to go out to the cross and his words are not focused on himself, his fate, or his destiny. That's already decided. Uh, he's instead focusing on what's going to happen at the end of time when he comes again in glory. And he's telling people to be prepared because between him and us there's a contrast. He knew the day and the hour when he was going to die. He knew everything about how it was going to happen. And he went anyway up to Jerusalem to face the Passover and his passion. But he reminds us time and again, especially in Matthew's gospel, that we do not know either the day that we're going to die or the time when he's going to come to it again and this world is going to end to be brought to its fulfillment. So not knowing those things, he tells us we have to live our life on earth as he did, always being prepared for the hour, for that day that we cannot predict, but we should expect it because it has been promised and God keeps his promises. And thanks to Jesus keeping his promise to die for us on the cross, death for us is not the end, but rather the end of the beginning and the beginning of eternity. Jesus uses a great example of someone who was preparing for God to keep his promise, and that is Noah. How long would you prepare for the coming of the Christ? We've got less than a month. Christmas is less than four weeks away. So little time to do so much decorating and baking and shopping and shipping and wrapping and celebrating. But all of that's just preparing for Christmas. Not much of that is helping us to prepare for the coming of the Christ. But still, we have less than a month to do it. When God told Noah in the book of Genesis to build a ship, he told him it was going to rain. He didn't say when. So Noah he had no idea how much time he had to build that boat and to be ready when the floods came. Noah was extraordinarily old when he began building that ship. We find in Genesis chapter 5, verse 32, that Noah, he wasn't 50 years old when he started building the ark. He was 500 years old. And you can say that's fairy tales and fables. But all throughout the book of Genesis, we see that there was an extraordinarily long lifespan of people on planet Earth. Although trajectory was downward, it got a lot shorter from the beginning to the end of that book. It started with immortality. 
When God created us in his image and likeness, he made us to live forever. Adam and Eve were never going to grow old, but they gave up immortality because they chose immorality. They decided, let's eat that forbidden fruit. Let's break the one rule that God set for us. And that fruit was sweet in their mouth, but sour in their stomach, and they ruined everything for everyone. And they gave away that immortality. And so then the lifespan began to get shorter. Methuselah, he would live to be 969. But by the very next book in Exodus, Moses was considered to be an old man when he died, and he only lived to be 120. We saw that the lifespan kept getting cut in half every generation, but that's only because God had already enacted a plan, the ultimate plan, to get us back into paradise so we could again live forever. And who would want to spend eternity down here if we could be there? But there, when Noah was 500 years old, God told him, build a ship. Should I go to the water? No, the water is coming to you. But everyone else thought that Noah was a fool because God spoke to Noah and no one else. So then when they saw him collecting all that wood and building this craft there in the middle of the desert, miles from water without any means to get that ship to the water, they thought that he had departed his senses, that he had become an old imbecile and a fool. And yet Noah trusted in the Lord. It's not a great promise that he's going to flood the earth for 40 days, but he's a greater God. And if he makes a promise, I bet he's going to keep it. I better get started. And we're not talking about some little dinghy or some yacht or even a boat that's as long as this church. Let's consider for a moment just how big this task was that God gave to 500-year-old Noah. That ship, using our football metaphors, was one and one-half football fields in length, 450 feet. And it would have stretched up to the ceiling of this church, rising 33 feet in the air with three different decks. No wonder it took him 100 years to build it, because he was 600 when the floods finally came. He had to spend a century, not only with blood, sweat, and tears, toiling and laboring to build that ship, but also wondering if he'd get it done in time before it began to rain. And sure enough, he didn't have to move the boat to the water because the floods came and they kept on coming. It rained for 40 days and then they could not dock on dry ground for another 150 days until some of that water began to recede. That was Noah's preparation. That was Noah's advent. It lasted for a century. The advent of Isaiah in the first reading lasted for 800 years, telling people to prepare for the coming of the Lord. St. Paul, in our second reading, the letter of the Romans, he made it sound as if Christ, who had just ascended, was coming back any day now. And that was 2,000 years ago, and people are still waiting. What's taking God so long? I made reference two Sundays ago to one verse in the second letter of St. Peter in the New Testament, chapter 3, verse 8, where Peter says, our first pope, for God a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. That means in God's eyes, Noah, that was a week ago. Jesus, that was an hour ago. His second coming, that could be tonight. God exists beyond time and eternity, but St. Peter guessed at why it was taking so long for Christ to return. He said, the Lord does not delay. He's being patient, giving you and me, sinners, more time to repent. That's why it is taking Christ so long to come again, because the world has not yet been converted, and we're still works in progress. We as Christians at work in this world are meant to bring order to chaos, light to darkness, and right where there is wrong. And yet things seem to be moving in the other direction as people are abandoning the gospel and the Bible and the church and God and religion and rules and righteousness. We have our work cut out for us. 
But we, like Noah, would like to invest some blood, some sweat, and tears to roll up our sleeves and get some dirt under our nails, making sure that we're busy when the master comes, busy doing his word, announcing his will, and trying to fulfill it in our lives. And so, my friends, no, we don't have a century like Noah to prepare for God to keep his promise. And we don't know when we're going to die or when Christ is going to come again. And it's, yes, it's still less than a month until Christmas. But as much as we're going to do the shopping and the shipping, the baking and the caroling and all those good things to prepare for the coming of Christmas, Jesus today wants to know what are you going to do to prepare for his coming in glory. And now I'd like to have the catechumens and the candidates of the RCA please come forward.